1: Welcome to the table. We discuss issues of God and culture. I'm Daryl Bach, Executive Director for Cultural Engagement at the Hendricks Center at Dallas Theological Seminary, and I have an array of experts around me to discuss the topic for the day, which is women in the Old Testament. And we plan to take a look at some of the um, issues tied to the role of women uh, in Scripture, and, and focus on the Old Testament to do that. So I have Brian Webster, who teaches here in Old Testament. Sandy Glan who just teaches everywhere, right? Media I mean, arts, media arts, <laughs> but she—that's her official assignment, but she. She is a Jill of all trades. Can I say I, I get say
2: borrowed that? a time, oh, okay. some of right. yeah.
1: And then Dorian Cooper Cox, who also teaches in Old Testament. So we've got two Old Testament experts who, who can talk to us in English or in Hebrew, okay, <laughs> with a touch of Aramaic and who knows what else. And then Sandy and I are just regular folks. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so. And Sandy has just written a book with the absolutely neutral title of vindicating vixens. There
2: you go. Yeah. I, I'm the general editor, so I'm going to blame it on 16 authors. Okay, so <laughs> okay, you're the
1: yeah. so you. It's a collection of essays. I, yes. Okay. It is. All right. And you did you go through and highlight uh, like uh, different characters in Scripture and that kind of theme, we, or was it themes, or was it a mix?
2: We were looking at women who were wrongly vilified, marginalized, or sexualized. Mm-hmm. Um, we went through the women in Jesus' genealogy. And then we went back and did a whole survey of Old and New Testament. Oh,
1: okay. Well, that's cool. And I think there's a chapel up that you all did at one point there to is. kind of summarize. Mm-hmm. So if people go to voice.dds.edu, you can you can find that, and it probably has the same non-provocative title. Right, it so, does. Okay, that's what I thought. So very good. So let's let's talk about this. Um, uh, Dorian, I'm going to start with you. You you said yesterday you were in class teaching on this, and you were introducing uh, a theme that you think is, is tied to the role of women in the Old Testament, and, and just share with us what you were sharing with the class.
3: Well, I um, offered to them as a prime hermeneutical principle mm. that <laughs> okay. uh, God is good. Mm-hmm. In fact, um, we began... By looking at Psalm one eighteen verse one, mm-hmm. Adonai kitov ki Oh,
1: that's so clear to me. I can hardly exactly. Stand it.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's a phrase that's repeated mm-hmm. a number of times, mm-hmm. and, um, and it translates. As, it translates as, "Give thanks to the Lord mm-hmm. because He's good. Mm-hmm. His loyal love endures forever, mm-hmm. and." And the psalmist calls on various groups of people to um, reply, to and antiphonally Mm -hmm. about this. Mm -hmm. And as you begin to realize, oh, look throughout, from start to finish, uh, the writers of scripture, the people in the books of the bible the, that the characters that they're talking about they are convinced of the goodness of god and talk about it in many ways um and i've begun to think that it uh, as bad as it is when we fail to tr- what i let me say it a better way if we trust people who are untrustworthy mm-hmm. that's really bad mm-hmm. we, there's all kinds of bad things that happen when you trust a person who doesn't deserve to be trusted but i begin to think that we may be in as much trouble when we fail to trust people who are trustworthy mm-hmm. if we fail to trust a god who is trustworthy we're the losers mm-hmm. and we see this in everyday life when a let's say a 12 or 13 year old who. Mm-hmm actually has well-meaning good parents and doesn't trust those parents but begins to trust his or her peers at school mm-hmm. more than the the good parents this is dangerous it's really mm-hmm. bad and you can see it in all sorts of relationships as soon as you put on i'm the i'm suspicious of you mm-hmm. and start interpreting people's actions words uh in in this you must be wrong i'm i'm suspicious of you it's very possible to take take almost anything and and turn it as a grounds for accusation because you've become so convinced that the other person is not dealing with you honestly or faithfully, and you be and it erodes the the relationship very
1: quickly. Okay, so let's connect this to the theme that we have, which is the the role of women in the Old Testament. How do you see, um, how do you see the idea that God is good connecting to that theme?
3: Well, for starters, what comes immediately to mind is that um, we we read that a verse that says he who spared not his own son mm-hmm. but delivered him up for us all mm-hmm. how shall he not with him freely give us all things mm-hmm. and we read every good and perfect gift comes from the lord there's not a better there's not a better option somewhere else if if god loved women enough to send his only son to die for them, he cares about them. Does that mean that everyone else does all the time? No, it doesn't. But he cares about women. And I have found over the years, when I'm reading a, a section of Scripture, that on the surface of it, might seem to present God in a negative light, it seems like I'm not sure this reflects well on God. i found what pays is to sit and look at it some more. I see this at home sometimes. You know, I walk in the house. Well, why did Chuck leave his stuff there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know?
1: Chuck's your husband. Mm-hmm. Chuck is my husband. Okay, okay. Yeah, Chuck is my husband. Okay.
3: And so, well, how come? How come he left the truck in the driveway? I have groceries to unload. <laughs> how inconsiderate! Mm-hmm. If I ever think that about him, I quickly learn. If I if I watch, I quickly learn. He wasn't being inconsiderate. I misinterpreted what he did Mm -hmm. because it's not his nature to be inconsiderate toward me. Mm -hmm. It's not, uh, he doesn't have a track record of that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so it says something about me. And if I let that, it could grow and grow and grow until he's never going to do anything right. Mm -hmm. Because I've become the person who's suspicious of him. So, um, so in that, Christ died for women, and all of the people, through, ooh, all the people in the in the Old Testament, were looking forward to what God was going to do for them, and the people in the New Testament are looking back and seeing all that God is doing for them, and moving forward and getting to know Him better. I have. I've just decided. Well, if it if it looks like there's a spot where it might seem like God is not concerned about women, I need to examine it a bit longer. Mm-hmm. Find more. Out, find out more about the culture. Find out the trajectory of this material. Mm-hmm. Let me look at this longer.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now, Brian, you you teach Hebrew and Old Testament here as well. As you think about the role of women in the Old Testament, um, what do what do you what do you see, and what do you think people should be conscious of as they as as we think in general about this theme? Well, I mean. When we think generally about women in the
4: Old Testament, we have to acknowledge that the Old Testament is mostly about the nation of Israel as represented by the king and their covenant fidelity or lack thereof. So there's all sorts of things about daily life, including what is the role of women in Uh society that just doesn't get a lot of page time. Okay, Um, So we don't want to... Ask the text to do something that it's not intended trying to do. to do. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, can I go to Proverbs 31 now? Yeah, uh, you, you can go to Proverbs
1: 31 whenever you want.
4: <clears throat> okay. So um, Proverbs 31. <clears throat> Is a you know a famous chapter for looking at the role of women, and I feel pretty confident that's been mistranslated in any English translation that you've ever read, and I think it matters. <laughs> okay,
1: well let, let me so, before you before you dive before before we I've got I've got people so I'm going to leave them hanging all right before you go. I, I think that one of the things that's at the core of Sandy's uh, treatment of the book that she edited is a similar kind of concern that women have been misunderstood, and the way in which women are portrayed in Scripture is misunderstood. So I think before we go directly to to Proverbs 31, let's sit back and ask that question a second, which is, and, I, and one of the things that you talk about is the cultural role. The fact is that Scripture steps into a culture that is obviously pretty well established, and yet at the same time does things to challenge some of the way things operate in that culture. So let's talk about that a little bit. What is it? What is it? What is it that Scripture assumes? Because that's the way the world is, and how does Scripture help us address that? And then we can eventually turn our attention to how Proverbs thirty-one steps into that space.
4: Um, it's a
1: complex. Try, question. Yeah, I'm
4: trying to sure, be sure I understand the question. So, let again speak broadly. Uh-huh. You know, we would look in the laws of the book of books of Moses and say there's a fair amount of overlap with surrounding cultures. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we would see there's differences, mm-hmm. and we can see different value placed on people. So one of one of those things is the Code of Hammurabi mm-hmm. is going to distinguish people. A Babylonian Code. Yeah, Babylonian Code. It's okay. going to distinguish a people according to class. Mm-hmm. And when we see uh, the laws of Moses talk about people, there's no distinction according to class. Mm-hmm. And often, you will even have laws that use as their example the person that would be considered the farthest down the rung just to... Uh, push the point that Mm -hmm. we're all uh, level Mm -hmm. here. Um, So that doesn't mean that we uh, see extra laws about women in particular, but that that idea that we're treating everyone equally is a sharp contrast to uh,
1: So when we see a phrase in Scripture that says something like, God is not a respecter of persons, and you can misread that in terms of, well, God doesn't care about anybody. (laughs) That's a disrespect. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's Yeah. That's exactly the opposite of what it's actually getting at, isn't it? In, um, in, in terms of, of the idea that God is not a respect means that he he sees everyone at the, at the same. They all – the justice is supposed to – and the way in which we treat people is supposed to be the same, that the scales aren't imbalanced on the basis of class or anything like that.
4: Right, which, which is why Moses is not going to be able to enter the Promised Land. It's why David is challenged by the prophets. So you have the big national leaders, and they also suffer they, – they're not exempt, right? Right. So the, the classic way of saying that – is, is the law king or is the king law? Uh-huh. And the king is not law mm-hmm. in Israel. The king is law in all the surrounding cultures, mm-hmm. but the king is not law in Israel.
1: Which is an important idea because it, 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 it not only does it level out everyone, but you also see this ability within Israel to be, oh, I like to say it is self-critical about the way in which life is taking place in the nation. It can look at itself and go, we are not measuring up to what God has set before us in terms of how we ought to be living. Mm-hmm. Um Okay, so um, I'm I'm coming back to Proverbs thirty-one. I'm keeping I'm keeping <laughs> yeah. it out there. Um, but uh, Sandy, let me ask you. Um, so so as you think about these themes and what we've already covered, and particularly as you think about the the book that you edited, how does it step into the space? What are what are what are some of the misconceptions that that people have about the way women are handled in the Old Testament or I, in Scripture in general?
2: I think a key misconception with Old and New Testament is wrongly assuming that the culture is inspired mm-hmm. rather than that the instructions given to a people in a culture are inspired. And so sometimes we also think that there should be a one-to-one parallel to our culture mm-hmm. for these instructions, mm-hmm. and and then it seems pretty strange, right? mm-hmm. like laws about menstruation that mm-hmm. we don't follow in the church today, mm-hmm. the, the law has passed away. Um, but we can look at this patriarchal culture and think that God favors men, for mm-hmm. example, instead of that patriarchy has its own problems mm-hmm. and its own injustices. It's not that God favors patriarchy. It's that he called the patriarchs out mm-hmm. in a patriarchal culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that's a big part of it. Um, but also there is a tendency to... Um, Well, Bathsheba is a great example of sexualizing. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming that uh, Eve is a seductress, which is a wrong Mm -hmm. assumption. And then to extrapolate on Eve, therefore women are seductresses. Mm -hmm. Therefore, misreading some of those stories in terms of Tamar, in terms of Bathsheba.
1: So, and and, and this is actually an important theme. Uh, Even though there are certain texts that talk about certain kind of women being seductresses right. that doesn't allow us to make the generalization that, that every woman should be viewed through Correct. that lens, right. and and so so you run up against um, really reading scripture with a kind of sensitivity that is aware of of those kinds of distinctions of those kinds mm-hmm. of nuances. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm going to come back to the Bathsheba um, mention uh, reference because I think that I have heard, and you have heard, I know we've talked about this, messages in which uh, in which she is given a level of blame and responsibility for what's going on. That you think doesn't Wrongly entirely so, yeah. reflects uh, mm-hmm. reflect the text. Yeah. So, so we'll come back. So we, so we're just we're okay. just laying the table here for the passages <laughs> that we want to talk about. So you've got Proverbs thirty one. We've got Bathsheba from you, Dorian. Do you have any example you want to put forward as something that we want to talk about down the road? i can let you think about that for a while. I'll think about that for a while. Uh, okay. All right. So now let's deliver on Proverbs thirty one. So mm-hmm. what's going on with Proverbs thirty one? Okay. So. Um, Real
4: broad statement, most proverbs in English are present tense, right? Okay. A stitch in time saves nine. Okay. We have very few curiosity killed the cat, past tense stuff. Okay. So all the mistranslations of Proverbs 31 describe this woman in the present tense. Okay. She is staying up late every night. She yeah, is she getting does. up every okay. morning. Mm-hmm. She's uh, conducting a tannery business. She has a real estate business going on. She's an exhausting
1: on. woman. <laughs> <laughs> right, yes.
4: So much so, I mean, Tremper Longman uh, wrote, you know, in the response to the question, uh, Uh, a woman of valor who can find Uh no one she doesn't exist Um, and the thing is uh, when you look through the Hebrew you realize that almost all of these forms have to be past tense Mm -hmm. and there are four that could go either way. Uh And when you go back through and you translate and you read it all past tense and then you arrive at the end of the chapter where mm-hmm. her grown children mm-hmm. have risen up and blessed her, you realize this is not her day planner. Uh-huh. This is a retrospective on a woman's life. It's a lifetime achievement award. Okay. It's dad talking to the sons. This is what your mom's been like. And this is over what you the should... Over the years. Over the years, And she's doing
1: yes. all these things all at once.
4: Right, right. Okay. So there was... There was the time when there was kind of a drought and we didn't have enough water for all the cows. We had to kill some. And that's when your mom thought to make the belts, uh-huh. right? Her tannery. Okay. She didn't do that all her life. She didn't <laughs> stay up late. She did what was needed when it came along. Um, and so it's, it can be read as this pressure on women to do everything all the time. And it's impossible on the one hand. <laughs> And it's not addressed to women. Uh-huh. This is addressed to men to make sure that you don't pursue the vanity of mere outward beauty, and make sure that you look at character.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. In okay. fact, it's interesting that passage when it's introduced is isn't addressed to the son, and it, it really is about, um, in some ways, appreciating a certain kind of woman. We're back to the observation mm-hmm. made earlier that there are types of women in Scripture, uh, mm-hmm. and. And this is someone who's, who's if I can say it this way, whose career, lifetime achievement, mm-hmm. uh, is worthy of recollection mm-hmm. and has, has produced in that lifetime of achievement um, something worth emulating and appreciating. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but it is interesting to go through this list of this chapter and see everything this woman is doing or has done. Has done. Because yeah. if, exactly.
4: if she had That's 40 right. years to do it, okay. it's a yeah, whole different than okay. is doing that. Okay, but
1: she, <laughs> it is, the, the scope of what she has done is is very, very significant. It,
4: it, it is, but I, I don't think we should view it as a template for what everyone should do. Uh-huh. I mean, this is, these are examples. You know, mm-hmm. so when we look, son, when we look at your mom and her good qualities, we can look back and she's done all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter whether any particular woman did each of the things on those lists.
1: in other words, rather than thinking about, I need to check all seventeen of these boxes. <laughs>
2: I got to make them. I got to get spices. I got to buy real estate.
1: <laughs> you know that 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 no. The, 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 as you said earlier, the point is, as there was need, she was wise enough and sensitive enough to step in. And do and supply what was necessary in order to meet that need.
3: And nobody yeah. stopped her from doing all of those things. Ooh. Right, yeah.
4: Ooh. Yeah. She's out, yeah. she's out there engaged in the yeah. marketplace, yeah. she's making decisions about the home. Economics, she's considered yeah. trustworthy and uh, And so, her children praise her and and yeah. uh, I also think it's important in terms of the translation a woman who fears the Lord makes herself praiseworthy mm-hmm. right oh, now if her if her dud of a husband isn't smart enough to praise her, mm-hmm. she 's still praiseworthy uh-huh right whether or not she receives the praise
1: right and of course, this goes back to the idea uh, there are several ideas here I mean God is good, God knows um, she uh, uh, her 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 honor and her worth come from being faithful before God. Uh, and that, that that isn't to let men off the hook by any means. In fact, the whole point of the proverb is to say you should really appreciate what this represents. Yeah.
4: And are there any qualities in here that we wouldn't hope men would have? Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: uh, oh come on, don't go there. Now we gotta apply it all over again. Uh, so uh, yeah, so it, it's a it's a significant text, and and uh, and so if you read it that way, um, uh, uh, summarizes for us uh, kind of what that represents, what the message should look like coming out of this text.
4: Um, let me come at that sideways a little bit, okay. if you don't mind. I had had a conversation with a rabbi, um, Reform rabbi, so this is a female rabbi and because I I'd presented a paper on this at a Jewish conference, and she said, you know, you, you understand in Judaism, every Sabbath we have the blessing and we read Proverbs 31.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: I said, well, yeah. And, she, and so she goes, well, now when I do funerals now, I always ask the daughter, do you want this red at your mom's funeral, or has she had it up to here
0: <laughs> We're hearing the
4: pressure about this uh-huh. thing? So you know, she's engaging that in a sensitive way. But the, the point of that is to say Proverbs 31 can feel like such pressure, mm-hmm. and instead it needs to be viewed as this is a pointer. It's, it's aiming me in the right direction. It is an ideal. Right, But it's aiming me in the right direction, Uh, whether it's uh, a woman trying to be that way or whether it's a man having a good sense of what to value in a woman Mm -hmm. or the fact that even as men, we should be following the good example of this woman.
3: How do you think the uh, chapter functions as uh, an ending for the book of Proverbs as a whole?
4: Well, you know, we, we start or near the beginning of Proverbs, uh, wisdom is personified as a woman. So one way I've heard that addressed is I I told you about lady woman, or sorry. Lady wisdom. (laughs) Lady wisdom. And now at the end of the book, it's I want you to marry her. Mm -hmm. Right? So on the one, the lady wisdom is a Mm
3: -hmm.
4: non-real ideal, but he's saying actual women can embody these qualities, and that's what you should look for.
3: Do you know if anybody's ever taken... Individual proverbs, uh, advice, positive or negative. I'm thinking of the, what comes to mind is the sluggard thinks there's says there's a lion in the street, yeah. and so he doesn't go out
1: we got to head to a break. Okay. So we're we're doing a great job of just putting out these teasers and letting people, you know, wait for the answer. Mm But uh, uh, what I'm enjoying is the conversation of thinking through how women are portrayed in the Old Testament, and perhaps in a little different ways than we think, and in ways that challenge all of us about the way in which we live. This episode
0: is brought to you by The Truce Podcast. I'm sure you've been there.
1: But I guess the next question is, uh, aren't there certain characteristics that this woman is displaying that we see uh, throughout the Proverbs, or at least at, at different points in the book?
4: Uh, yes. I mean, I don't know if anybody's written an article on this, but uh, certainly many of the characteristics that are showing up in Proverbs 31 have been visited uh, earlier. Um, certainly the, the Proverbs say more than just what's in here, mm-hmm. and some of those Proverbs have uh, examples that are negative. You know, this would not be a right. woman of quality. Right. Um, so. She would be the opposite of the negative. Yeah. In fact, before we get <laughs> so. to
1: Lady Wisdom, we've got a whole section almost that deals with the woman who is the temptress who should not be followed, etc. Yeah. So that Lady
3: Folly, she's yeah, yeah. sometimes Lady followed. Folly. Called,
1: yeah. So yeah. So right. so um, so. And, we, and then there's the woman. That, I mean, it's
4: in the proverb that uh-huh. it's better to be. Outside in a dripping corner of a, of a house than to be inside with the you know the woman who is just always henpecking et cetera and so forth. Yeah, so yeah. there are examples of negative. Yeah,
1: I, I hate to bring this up because it's an extra <laughs> biblical example, but there's a passage in Sirach uh, that that I have often read in class to talk about backgrounds and that kind of thing. Uh, I, I, I use it to f- fill in the background of John four, for example, and the disciples shock about Jesus talking to a woman, and I'm saying here's a portrait of the way. Women are sometimes generalized in the extra biblical materials that tell you, you know, and one of the lines that is one of my favorite, it's worse having a a woman who is – uh, a nagging woman, that kind of thing, is worse than being an old man trying to climb up a sandy hill. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and you that's go, an image. <laughs> yeah. That's right. It works. That works. Yeah, exactly. It works. So, so, um, so I mean, so there, we do have this thing going on culturally around the role of men and women that that we're constantly. Uh, playing with up against the Scripture. Well, let's go, we've got some other examples that we want to talk about and take the time to talk about. So I'm going to start with Bathsheba, okay? So Sandy, uh, let's talk about the way in which um, we sometimes hear this passage preached. And talk about how perhaps it ought to be handled.
2: So Bathsheba is a Me Too story. Okay. um, But it's often treated as an affair
1: Mm -hmm. where
2: you have two consensual adults. And even it's sometimes treated like she is going to the palace and setting out to seduce David. Mm -hmm. And if you just use some principles of biblical interpretation, the Mm -hmm. basic ones, like some word studies, like David sent for her. He sent men for her. Um, she is washing, but that doesn't even mean she's bathing. Like mm-hmm. She could have just been washing her hands. Like We are reading into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what happens is instead of us seeing the argument of the book, which is David has gone from this shepherd boy whom God has raised up, and now he's abusing power. Mm-hmm. Like, we should all take that sort of as a lesson and a warning. Mm-hmm. But instead, we're blaming the person who brought down the power. So
1: we've deflected the yes, message from exactly. the person on whom it's focused yeah. and yeah. created a situation that – I'm, I'm going to say it this way – that almost puts David in a position where you go, well, maybe he isn't as guilty as we he thought. totally puts him there, yeah. And, 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 yeah. And, and the and – the, uh, the, the subversion of what that represents in terms of the message of the scripture is is a problem because David is very very responsible for what it is that he's done. Not only what he did with Bathsheba, but what he did with her husband, etc. Right. You know, and so so, she
2: grieved. Right, you kind of dump over that. Yeah. Um, and but also uh, what that what that does to men and women in relationship mm-hmm. because then it becomes a warning. You know, men just. There are plenty of warnings, like you were mentioning. Like, there Mm -hmm. are women like that in the Mm -hmm. world. This just isn't one of them. And so, as you said, yeah, we deflect over what we should be. We should be identifying with David Mm -hmm. and realizing I could fall. You know, I could abuse power. Now we know more about power differentials in Mm -hmm. these sort of sexual relationships, and we know that— if you're you know if you have a lot of power and you're with a powerless person, even if it's consensual, it's not the same thing
1: yeah and and the, and the hard thing is is that when you generalize that and make it into a generalized principle, that is the way we might traditionally handle Bathsheba in a text like this the the problem becomes you problematize all your relationships with other women and yeah, exactly. and in in the process, you cut yourself off from a part of the body of Christ that is, that that you're supposed to be, you're supposed to be brothers and sisters. Yeah. So um, it's so, bad
2: for men and it's bad for women. Yeah. it's bad for both. We should okay. be partnering in healthy brother and sister relationships. Uh,
1: and, and part of that means uh, r- respecting the fact that women can be like. Go back to the proverb. Can be like the Proverbs 31 woman with whom I can have a good, meaningful. A uh, deep relationship, even if she's she's not my wife, but it doesn't have to be uh, sexualized or romanticized or anything like that. It's just a good human relationship that exactly. you're pursuing. Exactly. Okay, so that's that was a, that was a quick dip a, a, and look at, at the Bathsheba. <laughs> that was that was quick enough. Uh, uh, let's take on Ruth. Okay, um, mm-hmm. uh, you said you're getting ready to give a message on Ruth. So so what are you going to tell us about Ruth? <clears throat> um. Well, I'm going to be
4: focused on Ruth chapter one uh, in the chapel that's coming up, but we're going to kind of look at Naomi and Ruth throughout the book. Mm-hmm. And uh, to try and focus for the, for the moment, um, maybe it'd be interesting to deal with the phrase, a strong woman. Okay, Because that phrase, a strong woman, can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. We're not thinking Amazons, are we? (laughs) No, uh, (laughs) we're not talking about Wonder Woman. Uh, uh, Sometimes the the meaning is uh, a good, wholesome thing where where if you said strong man or strong woman, just strong person, Mm -hmm. that's all we mean. Somebody who has integrity and isn't going to back down from issues that... Uh, needs to be backed down from. I said that wrong, but yeah, you know what yeah, I mean. I know. <laughs> yeah. um, and then sometimes a uh, strong woman is, is used uh, for someone who isn't actually going to listen or be responsive and just as demanding, right? So, when we look at Ruth in chapter one, she puts her foot down with Naomi mm-hmm. and she is a strong woman.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: However, when we look at the rest of the book… She is also strong enough to be submissive. Mm-hmm. So in chapter two, she's taking the initiative because Naomi is depressed, but she still is, please, shouldn't I? I ought to go out there. Sure go. I mean, Naomi doesn't have any words or strength or effort. She goes out there and, and Boaz's supervisor won't let her initially glean. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir, I'll wait until the boss comes. Mm-hmm. And then Boaz gives her permission and she's overwhelmed. She's not there. Look, I have the right to be here and to glean the harvest corners. I, no, no, she, sense <laughs> no sense of entitlement. No sense of entitlement. In chapter three, when you know, we've had enough time that Naomi's coming out of her depression, she's got lots of energy and she gives all these instructions to Ruth. The, all the things that you are saying I will do, yes, ma'am, right? And then the narrator tells us, she went and everything, she, she did. And then uh, Boaz gives her instructions at the threshing floor, and yes, sir, and she, she does them. Um, and it's not because she's weak, and it's not because uh, she's subservient, but because her the strength that shows up in chapter one is when she says, look, your people are my people, your God is my God, I can't back down on that. Right. That is the thing that, that drives. Um, so she is strong, but she, she has strength enough to serve Naomi, and she has strength enough to respect the elders. In the she, town.
1: she has enough strength of character and enough strength of identity to, to know what, uh, what, her, what her sense and what her calling is and to be responsive in a way that actually benefits the people around her. Is that is that kind of where we're at in the book?
4: Yeah, and you know, and, and even for her, um, we can track this with the words that she uses to describe herself. She's really not confident of her place in society at mm-hmm. all. It's it's not that she knows her identity so much, but she knows God's identity, mm-hmm. and she she can rest there and find her strength there, and then it, it shows up in the text.
1: Great.
3: And Boaz acts as the character reference for her on on two occasions, and mm-hmm. then the then the neighbor ladies do as well you know as they they tell they tell uh, Naomi look your daughter in law who loves you is better than 10 sons <laughs> you know yeah. and uh, uh or seven sons sorry seven yeah seven, yeah, seven sons the perfect number <laughs> anyway but and she when she shows up she at the threshing floor she's there with a proposal of marriage that goes beyond anything that Boaz expected of her, and you know, he tells her, "Oh, you could have married another man younger or older and you could have had your choice, but you're doing he could see that she he she was doing what she was doing as a means of benefiting naomi, which which is going beyond what's required. So they both do. both Ruth and, Boaz, go beyond what is expected in the society for, in terms of kindness and, 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 uh, and loyalty to family and so on,
1: it yeah. seems to me. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, in the, in the flow of the book as a whole, in the, in the flow of the Bible as a whole, this becomes an important story because Ruth is a Gentile. Um, so uh, let, let's flesh that out a little bit. Uh, what's what's going on at that level, and how does the scripture play with that theme? Okay, so try and do the reader's digest version. Okay,
4: uh, take Boaz's supervisor because mm-hmm. he doesn't let her initially uh, go out and glean, and you know there's kind of a political correctness response to that that would say, oh, he's just against foreigners, mm-hmm. but I don't I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Torah is a lot more has a lot more information on how you handle foreigners in Israel so there's lots of different kinds of foreigners mm-hmm. uh, one of those is a ger. Mm-hmm. and uh, we need we don't have time we yeah. work through all of Torah That's a on whole that. other
1: podcast, <laughs> <laughs> whole <nother> podcast. <laughs> yeah. um,
4: but but the synopsis of that is that particular kind of foreigner in Israel is fully protected by and fully obligated to all of the law of Moses mm-hmm. they are an adherent to the covenant mm-hmm. and that's because see when Boaz explains why she can do this, mm-hmm. right? It's it's the thrust of the pericope. Yeah. <laughs> it's because she has taken refuge under the wings of Yahweh. It's all about covenant loyalty. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, uh, so, and that goes back to her statement about, you know, my God, God your yeah, God, my yeah, 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 your God is my, oh my God. Because yeah.
4: the, the point is always covenant loyalty. Yeah. Um, but for Boaz's supervisor, how's, how's he going to be looking at her? Is do, do I view her mostly as a widow for these laws? Do I view her mostly as a, a gare? Because mm-hmm. she hasn't been here very long. Mm-hmm. When do gare get full access to the assembly? Mm-hmm. Third or fourth generation. Mm-hmm. It wow. takes time to verify loyalty to the covenant. It's just not you walk across the border and you get our stuff. Mm-hmm. Um and for Moabites, it's tenth generation mm-hmm. because the under with Balaam's de- de- deception, he. Pulled the loyalty of the Israelites going through Moab away from the covenant, and so there's a bigger delay for when Moabites get in. So when this Moabite girl comes along, it's just put in our face over and over again. This is the Moabite who came back with, but the narrator says it too. Mm-hmm. Ruth, the Moabite. It's like we already know that. Why is the narrator saying that? That's usually divine perspective. So you're supposed to hear Moabite. I mean, well, it's, yeah. you're supposed to hear question mark. Yeah, but, yeah. but since the narrator says it too, we're not supposed to. To condemn Boaz's supervisor, right. it's just mm-hmm. we have a complex Torah legal question here, mm-hmm. and Boaz just blows by it and says, "Family, mm-hmm. Yahweh worshipper, family, I'm helping." Mm-hmm. So,
1: wow. Interesting. Yeah. so and and of course, Scripture, you know, she shows up in the genealogy of uh, of Jesus down the road, so she this becomes a model for the way in which. Uh, the way in which someone who was originally on the outside has, gotten, has become incorporated within the people of God in part because of who their character is and what their response is and, and in part to show that God is, is, is no respecter of persons. I mean, he is open to anyone who is willing to be responsive to him and offers uh, great access through that, through that means.
4: Yeah, you know, sometimes we forget that it was a mixed company that came out of Egypt, mm-hmm. and that there are non-Israelites at the making of the covenant. Mm-hmm.
1: Hmm. Interesting. So, Interesting. Yeah.
4: So the Ger, the Ger, are covenant keepers. Uh-huh. They they are naturalized citizens. Uh-huh.
1: Interesting, well, I mean there's like I said, there's a whole other topic wrapped up in that, and we've mm-hmm. talked about that, so that'll be fun uh, um, okay, so let's turn our attention to uh, uh well i'm going to turn our attention to to numbers five. Holma is waiting, okay, all right, so what what do you want to tell us about numbers five
3: well be, occasionally. People look at Numbers five and they think, "Isn't God being unfair to
1: women here?" Okay. So, overview for us what Numbers five is about, in case someone has no clue.
3: Okay. Well, one of the things in in Numbers five has to do with the test of loyalty, fidelity for a woman who has been accused of infidelity. Her husband, it says, her husband has a spirit of jealousy, okay. and so he's accusing her of of um, of having an affair of some sort. Mm-hmm. And the law provided for, uh, for a means of determining what had happened. And that involved uh, going to the uh, central sanctuary, talking to the priest, and having a test that involved, of all things, drinking water with, that had scrapings from the floor hmm. and waiting to see if um, it had an ill effect on her. And so people look at that well, where's the test of jealousy for men and whatnot? Mm. Okay. So I mm. I the passage always kind of bothered me in a way, but I didn't pay much attention to it until a student talked to me about it mm-hmm. who who was in a class where the professor was was apologizing for this passage mm. and this test of fidelity and so on. And and she was looking at it and saying, this is great. This is such a good law. She was so worked up about it, she wrote him a long email that night. And and then she's telling me about it, saying, oh, well, tell me more. Okay, why do you think this is such a great passage? And she says, well, for one thing, it gives women access to the authorities. Mm -hmm. He can't just willy-nilly kill her because she would— because he thinks she was unfaithful to him. Oh, tell me more. Well, this young woman had grown up in a society in which there were times when she, as a teenager, went to school and looked around and said, and could, and could ask, Where is so and so? And so and so was dead, hmm. her friend was gone simply because she had been accused of something. Hmm. Not whether or not she did it, it was not the issue. She had been accused.
1: And that was enough.
3: And that was enough. And and the the student I was talking to said we all knew that that there would be no repercussions, or very small, if anybody even investigated hmm. this girl's death. So she looked at this as a law that protected women. And then I began to look at it thinking along those lines and I thought, "Oh, yeah. Look at all the false accusations that this would put a stop to. Because if any woman was righteous and hadn't had an affair and her husband accuses her of something, she can say, "Okay, put up or shut up. We're going to the priest." Hmm. He and he's not gonna men would not make they, there would be no incentive for them to make um, false accusations simply to get rid of a wife they didn't want because there were there was recourse for her there
1: were protection there
3: was protection mm. furthermore I'm looking at this and thinking okay oh water with a little bit of dust from the floor is not going to kill anyone I watch again my husband occasionally pick up something from the floor and eat it just despite me you know <laughs> just to just oh you can't do that. <laughs> what do you mean I can't do this? <laughs> of course I, I can do that. that.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: and or uh, or you know, you know, they will think, Oh, you can't drink out of the milk bottle. Well he doesn't anymore, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, women have all these rules.
1: We're finding out far too <laughs> We're much. To much
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so okay, I'm thinking, she's not gonna nobody's gonna die from a little bit of dust to, off the the floor. If she dies, if she has ill effect from this, it's because God intervened directly to judge in this situation. Mm. There would be a righteous outcome to this test. Mm. Huh. It, It implies that God is concerned and he's going to be involved in any test of this sort. So, okay. This is a better chapter, a better law than we thought. Hmm, interesting. Uh, in view of the culture and in view of options that were available to people at the time and the assumptions that they were making, they they're they're not living in the 21st century. Hmm. They don't have the same setup that we do uh, for many many things. Mm-hmm. And that's I think this, I think about this too in terms of of cultures around the world. And Don Richardson years and years ago wrote uh, about the, uh, a culture in Irian Jaya that he went to as a missionary. Peace child. The peace child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was eye-opening, partly because he, he describes the situation there, a, a religion that had no place for women at all. So there, there wasn't even any hope for women offered in, in the pagan religion mm-hmm. that was there. Nothing, and the suicide rate among women was enormous. But here's, here's God bringing Israel out of Egypt, and including everybody in worship, and in access to teaching, and to yeah, in, instruction, and and justice.
1: Fascinating. Well, we've got one more example left. Hold up. Hold up. Uh, we got. A little more than two minutes, so go for it.
2: So Huldah is a prophet, and it's been an awfully long time since anybody's heard the word. And Josiah becomes king when he's like six, and they're cleaning out the temple, and they find this scroll. Mm -hmm. And they read it and go, Holy cow, we're in trouble. Um, <laughs> and, you know, the, the king says, basically says, send for Huldah. Mm-hmm. And there are plenty of other people he could have sent for, but she's the prophet that gets called in, and she basically, thus saith the Lord. And and she's not the only woman prophet. You've got, in fact, in every dispensation where there is a male prophet, mm-hmm. there's at least one woman prophet. Mm-hmm. There are more male prophets, but they're, they're always a sampling. Deborah is an, another example where she she's a prophet, but she's also um, – she's a judge, but mm-hmm. she's also a prophet, and only Samuel has that same um, status. And so, anyway, Holda is often just completely left out of our discussions of women in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, so – I felt like we needed to at least, you know, acknowledge so, her presence. So, so there's
1: a hall of fame yeah. here, and we're making there's sure there's a hall of fame. We, we want to make sure she's in included. it, in the yeah. ring of honor. Okay, great. Well, this has been this has been fun uh, to, and and I think that what we see um, is the way in which uh, God has um, interacted with, elevated, in some cases, utilized women, uh, gifted them, in in many cases, protected them, presented them as examples. Uh, for who uh, who we can all uh, reflect on and emulate, and we've uh, we've even had laws that show that there, there is uh, protection in the way things are said. We've taken a look at Proverbs 31 that says, "Here's an example, woman. We had the model of wisdom here, and lo and behold, in chapter 31, here's someone whose life reflects this direction. We've got." We've got Holda, We've even we've uh, we've tried to uh, reestablish Bathsheba's credibility. Um, so it's a variety of pictures, and what we see is is God uh, is good. And God is, a, is someone who's very aware of, of all of our roles. Ruth becomes an example of someone who, on the one hand, can be strong and stand for what she represents on the one hand. And yet, on the other hand, when it's called upon for her to be responsive to others, she's also capable and secure enough to be able to do that. So um, I thank you all for, for helping us with this journey through the Old Testament. I hope this has been as fun for you as it has been for me. And uh, it's fun to bring in some people who uh, dig in the Old Testament on a regular basis and people who write about it. We hope we've vindicated the vixens and anyone else who has has (laughs) been offended. And we thank you for joining The Table and hope you'll be back again with us soon.
0: Thanks for listening to The Table Podcast. For more podcasts like this one, visit dts.edu slash table.